Welcome to this week's installment of the Everyman Livestream. My name is Jeremy, and I'll be your host for today's study. Now, if you ask any room full of men this one question, how many of you owned superhero clothes or toys growing up as a boy, what will you see? Almost every hand will be raised. Now, have you ever wondered why the Marvel and DC comic movies like Avengers, Iron Man, Captain America, and Superman do so well? It's because that little boy, the one who wants to be great, do great things, have special powers, bring justice, and defeat evil, lives inside of us still. And did you know that desire inside you is put there by God? In fact, the Bible says, as a Christ follower, you are called to pick a fight with and defeat evil. The problem is that many of us don't feel equipped or know exactly what to do. Well, this morning in part four of Made For More, pastor and men's expert, Kenny Luck, shows us that we need to look no farther than Jesus and that every man of God can live out his real life purpose of fighting and defeating evil in real time right now. Now, before we join the study, I want you to take a moment and share this message. Now, let's join Kenny for our fourth installment of Made for More. If you have a Bible, you're going to want to open it to Matthew chapter 13. Hold a spot in Luke chapter 4. Uh, we're in a series called Made for More. And we started this series by hearing the words of Jesus who said to men who chose to follow him that whoever believes in me, right, John 14, 12, whoever believes in me will do the works that I've been doing and greater works than these will he do. So everybody say, whoever believes will do. You see, you are planted in the kingdom. You're saved. You're redeemed. You're forgiven. Not just to receive all those great benefits from God, but you're actually empowered now to serve in the kingdom of God. That's what we read in Colossians chapter 1, verse 13. The Bible says that you've been rescued from a domain of darkness and you've been transferred into the kingdom of his beloved son. And so as, as men who follow Jesus, we have to learn to live as kingdom men. We have kingdom assignments. We have kingdom power. And guess what? We have a kingdom enemy. And that's what we're going to talk about this morning. We're empowered by Jesus not just to do greater works, not just to produce the fruit of the Spirit, not just to share the gospel, not just to be men of the Word and men of the Spirit, but we're also created by God in Christ to engage evil. The Apostle Paul told Timothy, fight the good fight of the faith, take hold of the eternal life to which you were called. The Bible uses language of wrestling, fighting. Jesus talks about a real devil. To believe in a real Jesus means to believe in a real devil. The only question is, how do you account for that? Do you account for that in your life on a daily basis? Do you believe that you're part of this epic battle between good and evil as you wake up, as you check your inbox, as you get in your car, as you go to work, as you engage in relationships? But that's what the Bible teaches. The Bible teaches us to fight the good fight of the faith. And when it comes to evil, the most important thing that we need to do is we need to think like God thinks. Amen? We need to see reality the way God sees reality. Not how we would like it, but as it is. And so that's what we're going to do this morning. We're just going to get the Bible's perspective on evil, its presence, and how to engage it. And in Matthew 13, Jesus is telling a parable about the wheat and the tares, okay, the wheat and the weeds. And I want you to listen to this picture that he builds, and then we'll unpack it, 
And then we're going to look at how our attitude about evil reflects our stand against evil. And then, because we have no choice, as we'll see, we have to engage evil the way Jesus did, because Jesus lives inside of us. So let's look at Matthew chapter 13. Jesus is going to paint a picture in the form of a a parable, and he says this, Jesus told them another parable. The kingdom of heaven is like a man who sowed good seed in his field. But while everyone was sleeping, his enemy came and sowed weeds among the wheat and went away. When the wheat sprouted and formed heads, then the weeds also appeared. The owner's servants came to him and said, sir, didn't you sow good seed in your field? Where then did the weeds come from? An enemy did this, he replied. The servants asked him, do you want us to go and pull them up? No, he answered, because while you are pulling the weeds, you may uproot the wheat with them. Let both grow together until the harvest. At that time, I will tell the harvesters, first, collect the weeds and tie them into bundles to be burned and then gather the wheat and bring it into my barn. So you have this picture. There's a field. There's, there's wheat and there's weeds and they're both in a field. Let's unpack it really quick. So there's the good seed, right? That's, that's sons of the kingdom. That's sons and daughters of the kingdom. Those are the people of God, right? Then there's bad seeds, right? And those are sons and daughters of the evil one. Okay, you can write that down. Then there's the field, and the field is a fallen world. So let's, let's put those three together just for a second. We live in an unredeemed, fallen world where we have good and bad. We have sons and daughters of God. We have sons and daughters of the evil one, right? Now, what is Jesus saying as he develops the story of, hey, should we pull up the bad so that the, the good can go together? And he says, no, they're going to coexist right next to each other until an appointed time when I say separate them. So Jesus is speaking of this age that we live in. And in this age that we live in, we have good, good seed and bad seed. We have good and evil. We have the people of God and we have people of the evil one. So what's he saying, right? He's saying that there's no separation right now in this age, right? Until the harvest comes. There's no separation. So right now, today, in this moment, you, you wake up and you enter a fallen world. You enter the field, and that field has people in it, and it has powers in it. Everybody say people and powers. People and powers. Yeah, there's people in it, and there are powers in it, and those powers are contending for people. Does that make sense? So there's no separation. The only question is, what are you personally called to do about it, and how are you called to live in this unredeemed, fallen world where good and evil exist side by side together? And so what we're going to learn is, is that our attitude about evil reflects our stand against evil. Now, let me just talk about that for a second before we dive in. There are three kinds of people, right? There's the kind of people who overbelieve in evil, and they're, they're the kind of like, I don't know, the older guys in the room will get this. They're like Flip Wilson, okay? You know, 
the devil made me do it, you know, where, where actually we use evil to, 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 to deflect personal responsibility. Just like we blame it on evil. Well, the reason why I did that is because there's evil and the devil made me do it. Or, or we overbelieve in evil. And you met those people where there's a demon under every rock and their filter for life is, is the devil was here and there was a spirit of this there. And, and that's overbelieving in evil. Okay? And we look at them and we go, you're goofy. Then there's the underbelievers in evil, all right, where everything is just cause and effect. There's no accounting for evil. It's just, you know, life is good and life is bad, and, and uh, it's natural circumstances, just the way life is. It is what it is, right? They don't account for any kind of spiritual forces, all right? So there's the overbelievers and the underbelievers, but let me tell you who the most dangerous category of person is. The sort of believers in evil. Those are people who you would ask them and say, do you believe in evil? And they would go, oh, yeah. Do you believe in the devil? Oh, I do, totally. Yeah, I do. Uh, do you believe that there's, you know, that there's a struggle and there's a battle for men's souls? Yes, I do. But they don't do anything about it. They don't account for it. They don't know how to engage it. They don't know how to pray against it. They don't know how to enter spaces to, to, to confront it. And see, that's where when you have a people who are redeemed and empowered to engage evil, if I'm the devil and they sort of believe in it, I win. They're neutralized. Yes, they know I'm there. Yes, they believe in Jesus. Yes, they know I'm real. But their, their ignorance over how to be competent with weapons and their identity and their authority that Jesus has given them, neutralizes them, so I'm not going to worry about them. And that's why we need to talk about this, because you're made for more. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold of the eternal life to which you're called. You live in the kingdom. You're a kingdom man. It's a rule and a realm where you're empowered by Jesus himself to go engage evil within, in your world, and, and fight against the evil one. So let's look at how our attitude reflects our stance. The first thing we need to see in this fight against evil is we have to see Jesus' purpose very clearly. In 1 John chapter 3, verse 8, it says this, and I want you to read it with me. Ready? The one who does what is sinful is of the devil, because the devil has been sinning from the beginning. The reason the Son of God appeared was to destroy the devil's work. So Jesus leaves heaven. Jesus comes to earth. What's the reason he appears? To destroy whose work? Now, if you're a believer and you say yes to Jesus and you cross the line, and you invite Christ into your life, and if the purpose of God's spirit is to form Christ in you, doesn't it make sense that Jesus' purpose becomes your purpose? Don't you think the way Jesus feels about evil becomes the way you should feel about evil? And so that's the headline right now, is that the reason the Son of God appeared is to destroy the devil's work. And he did. He came from heaven. He destroyed sin. He destroyed Satan's victory. He, he destroyed the power of self over man. Grace came through him and replaced death with life. And so when we look at Jesus, 
we have to look at him and go, okay, yes, he's my savior, he's my Lord. He's also my champion who defeated evil for me. Jesus lives in me. My job is to destroy the devil's work inside me, in my world, and fight the evil one. Secondly, we got to see our own purpose clearly. And what I love about Jesus is that, you know, he kind of models for the disciples. And then as he's getting toward, uh, as he's moving toward the cross, he has to have these final huddles with the disciples. And in the final huddles, he starts to, to tell them, uh, you know, what, what's coming and what's going to happen, even though they don't have it all put together at the moment. And the first time Jesus mentions the church is in Matthew 16. So the church is a community of people made up of individuals, right? Very important concepts. And so uh, to tell Peter what's coming, he says this. Well, before this verse here in Matthew 16, verse 18, he calls him Simon. Simon means pebble. And then he says this. And I tell you that you are who? Peter. Okay? Stone. So it's Simon, pebble. I tell you that you are Peter, stone. And on this rock, I will build my church. Let's finish it together. And the gates of hell will not overcome it. I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven. When whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. So Jesus is talking about an individual and a collective. There's Simon. He's a pebble. That's not enough. So Jesus changes his name. He changes his character. He goes, you know what? You're going to be a waffler. You're, you're small. You're not going to be your son. You're a stone now. But that's not enough either. I need a rock. I need a collective. You know, when you hear Jesus talk about the rock, you know, uh, in Matthew 7, he says, you know, there's a man who built his house on the sand, and there's a man who built his house on the rock. Okay? A rock, a rock is, you think of an individual unit, but what Jesus is talking about, it's a collection of hewn stones that are placed right next to each other. So, one big one here, one big one here, one big one here, one big one here. One. And collectively, it forms a foundation. Okay? And Jesus says, Simon, you're a pebble, but guess what? That's not enough to fight evil. You've got to become different. I tell you that you are Peter, stone. And on this rock, this collective of, of stones that I'm going to put together, you guys, the disciples, I'm going to build my church. And we read in Acts 2.14... And Peter stood with the 11, and that's when the church was born. And so there the rock comes into play, the Holy Spirit comes, and now men and women become spirit-empowered, and the church starts its evil-defeating mission, starts delivering people, starts reducing loads, relieving pain, raising spirits, reaching souls, right? And so we have to see our own purpose clearly. What I love about this passage is, is that Jesus kind of like, he says, hey, you know what? There's two competing agendas, all right? When Jesus says, uh, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell will not overcome it, you have to think like a first century person how that would have been received by the disciples. At the city gates, that's where the agenda for the city was planned. The elders of the city would come to the city gates. The politicians would come to the city gates. The people would come to the city gates, and it would be like this legislative body that would plan the agenda for the city. So when Jesus says the gates of hell, what he's saying is, is it's the agenda 
of hell. Hell is a legislative body with a leader and an organization and a plan to move against God, to move against his purposes, and to move against his people. Okay? The church, ecclesia, is also a legislative body with an agenda. One agenda is going to win and one agenda is going to lose. Amen? And God's agenda will triumph. Now, Peter is wondering, well, what's my part in this, this agenda, this massive confrontation? And Jesus says this, here's the keys, man. I'm giving you the keys to the kingdom, right? For every evil gate, there's a kingdom key. Let's say that together. For every evil gate, there's a kingdom key, right? So think about the city gates and hell's agenda. Guess what? I got the key. Boom. I can come in and I can disrupt that agenda. I can disrupt that plan. I can take that territory. I can walk into that space because Jesus has empowered me with his own authority to bind and loose. Now, just think about those pictures. Tying up and setting free. When you bind somebody, you tie them up. You immobilize them, right? Versus loosing, setting free. So I can I have the kingdom keys to every evil gate that's coming against me. I can walk into that space, and I am empowered to engage evil, and I'm given the authority of Jesus to bind and loose, which means in his name, because of who I am in him, I can step into a space and I can defeat evil. Isn't that what the world needs right now? More people who know who they are in Christ, more men of God who are filled with the Holy Spirit, who can step into relationships, families, workplaces, communities, injustices, and walk into that space in Christ and exercise their, their authority to take out their kingdom keys and unlock those evil gates and set people free. That is why we're here this morning. God wants you to know that wherever your feet go, you have been given authority by him to bind and loose. The question is, are you using it? Do you even know how to use it? You see, ignorance with respect to your identity and your authority is incompetence in the spiritual battle. Do you know who you are? Do you know the authority that you've been given? Do you, the, do you know how to handle the weapons that you've been given biblically? So we've got to see Jesus' purpose clearly. We have to see our own purpose clearly. And then third, we have to see the battlefield clearly. We have to see the battlefield clearly. You know, when you were saved, it was a mission. It was a mission. It was just like one of those missions you read about where there's prisoners of war and the special unit team comes in, neutralizes the enemy, inserted, rescued, delivered. Look at what it says in Colossians 1.13. Let's read this together. For he has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the son he loves. If that was Jesus' purpose, what is our purpose? For he, Jesus, has rescued us. Are there more people that need to be rescued from the domain of darkness? 150%. And Jesus has, has invited us as rescued men to become a rescuer, to enter situations, to enter relationships, to, to be a part of communities, and to be about the kingdom business of defeating evil and bringing people into the kingdom of his beloved son. To bind up the evil one, 
and to loose lives. Now, in the Bible, in Ephesians 6, one of the most famous passages, uh, it sets our minds to think right about this, these struggles uh, that we engage every day, the struggles of life in a, in a fallen world, right, in the field. Let's read it together. Ephesians 6, 12. Ready? For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers and the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. Do you believe that? You see, that's the thing, is if I walk into a day thinking naturally, I won't think that my battle is against the real entities that I'm fighting against. It's just cause and effect. It's just uh, an angry boss. It's just, you know, there, uh, you know my, my marriage is being attacked. I feel harassed. But it's just because, you know, she's not more like me or he's not, he's not more like me, you know. And you just filter what's going on in a human natural sense versus a supernatural sense, which is what the Bible says. The Bible says, hey, guess what? When you're tempted to blame people, all right, look behind that. There is an agenda going on. There are forces in play that take over human bodies, okay? The deceiver, the liar, the murderer. And it's infecting human relationships. So guys, especially if you're married, can I just talk to you for a second? You know, the first attack in the garden was to separate a man and a woman put together by God. If your marriage is being attacked... And there is contention and division and anger and destruction going on in your marriage. I just want you to see behind that beautiful person who wears the ring that you put on their finger. And I want you to see the sower of division and destruction. And are you, are you battling the human being? Or are you battling the forces that are in really in play? Some of you guys need to start fighting for your family in prayer against the rulers, against the authorities, against the powers of wickedness in heavenly places. You have to go to war in prayer in your identity and in your authority in Jesus and battle there first, then go into your relationship. So when I see clearly, write this down, I fight intentionally. But isn't that the battle, to see clearly? What was Jesus' purpose? What did Jesus think? i got to see my own purpose. I'm called into this battle. I've been given keys and the authority to bind and loose, and i got to see the battle clearly. There's forces behind people and behind the, the earthly systems that I see that are evil, that are part of this, this, this evil organization, that, and they're advancing the gates of hell. So uh, in, in here in Romans chapter 13, it talks about, well, what do I do with this, right? Let's read Romans 13, 11, and 12 together. Ready? And do this, understanding the present time. The hour has already come for you to wake up from your slumber because our salvation is nearer now than when we first believed. The night is nearly over. The day is almost here. So let us put aside the deeds of darkness and put on the armor of light. You know what God's word to every person in this room is right now? Get ready to fight. Understanding this present time. Do you understand it? Do you understand the field or fallen world that you live in? Do you understand that there's wheat and there's tares, there's good seed and there's bad seed, there's the devil and there's God? 
and understanding that, you got to suit up and show up because guess what? The night is nearly over. The day is at hand. And so we have to set aside old thinking, old ways, old practices of sin. And God is calling every person here into this great epic spiritual battle against evil. So it doesn't matter, and I put this down on your notes, it doesn't matter if you have no stomach or no interest. Want to know why? Because you have no choice. <laughs> you know, when circumstances and the reality of life <laughs> are on your porch, it's sort of like, well, I don't got a choice, do I? I got to fight. My back's to the wall. And so let's talk about how we can do that. And the first thing we need to do to engage the fight is believe like Jesus. We've got to believe like Jesus. Now, Jesus, when he was in the field, the fallen world, comes to an unredeemed world, and he's in the process of redeeming it. Um, he's speaking into the reality actually at play, going on with the people he's engaging with. So imagine you come from heaven, you have that perspective, you see very clearly that there's evil and there's good and God at work, and they're contending for the souls of people. And so Jesus is talking to people about why they can't understand him. And he says this in John 8. Why is my language not clear to you? Explanation. Because you are unable to hear what I say. Okay? You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him, when he lies, he speaks his native language. Let's finish it together. For he is a liar and a father of lies. Wow, can you imagine? You're just having a conversation and people aren't understanding. Which I, 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 I just really don't get it. Well, you want to know why? Because you belong to the devil. Wow. I'm speaking truth. And the reason you can't speak truth is because you're a child of the lie. You just can't hear me. And what I love about Jesus is that he boils down the spiritual battle to its essence. Spiritual battle is a battle between truth and lies. And he describes, it's like he pulls out the dossier. There's a current word. The dossier on Satan. And he says, okay, here's what you need to know about him. And here's why you're, not, you're unable to hear me because I'm truth. The reason you're unable to hear me is because you belong to him, the liar and the murderer. They were listening to his lies, and what did they want to do to Jesus? They wanted to kill him. You see, when you're listening to lies, things are going to die in your life, either by razor blade or by direct physical circumstances. It'll happen. And when we look at Satan, the liar and the murderer, and his desire to control you and me, the only power he has is if we believe his lies. Because beliefs drive behaviors. All behaviors are driven by beliefs. So here's the question. Are you believing truth or are you believing lies? And based on if you believe truth or lies, God or Satan, your behavior is going to be expressed. I mean, your beliefs are going to be expressed in your behavior. Now, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk about something really serious right now because I've experienced it in my own life. I know that some of you in the room have experienced. But, you know, when you, when you see that someone has taken their own life, 
whether it's a good friend's kid or a good friend or somebody that you knew, here's what you need to know. The reason they did that is because they believed a lie about themselves, about their circumstances, or about God. And that belief led to the behavior of suicide. It is demonic. Now, I say that, and it's almost like, where did you come from, Harry Potter? Like, what? No, I'm telling you, Satan is a liar, and he's a murderer. When you see murder, and peop- man against man, that, there's, that, that's people involved, but they're just pawns. They've believed some lie about themselves, about other people, or about God, or about their circumstances, that it's fatal, that it's final, or that that person does And they believe that lie, and because they believe it, they act it out. How do I know? Because I have had two brothers who believed a lie and took their own life. And so you need to be, I need to be in these spaces, taking out our kingdom keys and opening evil gates and stepping into lives because it's, it's not nickel poker, fellas. Satan wants to murder and destroy. He's, he's a, a thief who comes to what? Steal, kill, and destroy. He's a destroyer. So we have to believe like Jesus. Secondly, and this is really key. We have to be filled like Jesus. You say, Kenny, what do you mean? Well, when Jesus was weaponized to fight evil, look at what he said in Luke 4. The spirit of the Lord is on me because he has anointed me, here it comes, to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim freedom for the prisoners and recovery of sight to the blind to set the oppressed free, to proclaim the favorable year of the Lord, the year of the Lord's favor. Circle, the spirit of the Lord is on me. You're going to go into spiritual battle? You better be empowered to engage evil. You can't go in with natural resources. You can't fight a destroyer with a squirt gun. You have to be filled with the spirit of God. Do you know what that means? As I'm talking, you're like, hmm, the spirit of the Lord is upon me, being filled with the spirit. What does that mean? Well, that means to, 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 to know Jesus And the Bible says that when you trust in the person and work of Christ and you open the door of your life and you receive him as your Lord and as your Savior and as you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Christ is Lord, you're saved. Okay, At that moment, the Bible says that God pours the spirit of his son into your heart. Okay, You get it. It indwells you. You have it. Okay, Just like I have permanent apps on my phone. You get the Holy Spirit, but like I'll just pick an app. Like, but whenever I have Google Maps, it's already on my phone. In order to take advantage of it, what do I have to do? I have to activate it, and what? Listen. The Holy Spirit lives in every believer, indwells every believer, but the Holy Spirit does not fill and empower believers who don't activate and ask to be filled with the Spirit, and who don't listen to the Spirit. And Jesus models this. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, right? Look at what it says in Luke chapter 4, right before he goes in to engage the evil one. Let's read that together. Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, left the Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness where for 40 days he was tempted by... Wow, good enough for Jesus. How about you? Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, led by the Holy Spirit. 
That's why I say over and over and over again, start your day by saying, this is the day the Lord has made. I will rejoice and be glad in it. Get into the kingdom, man. Get into your reality to which you really belong, and then establish calm. You know, in war, the first thing that gets blown up, you know what it is? It's not, it's not tanks and weapons. It's what? Communications. Get connected. Holy Spirit, fill me. Holy Spirit, lead me. Holy Spirit, control me. Holy Spirit, prompt me. Holy Spirit, show me. Get connected. Then, as you engage your life, now you have your night vision goggles on. Amen? Now you can see movement. Now you're thinking like a kingdom man. Now you're believing and behaving like Jesus, full of the Holy Spirit, before you go into the battle. So we have to, everybody say, believe like Jesus. Everybody say, be filled like Jesus. And now everybody say, behave like Jesus. Now I'm just going to boil down spiritual battle to its essence as we see it in Christ. Truth versus lies, liar and murderer versus God and his agenda. Jesus is in the heat of battle. The devil said to him, if you're the son of God, tell the stone to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man shall not live by bread alone. The devil led him up to a high place and showed him in an instant all the kingdoms of the world. And he said to him, I will give you all their authority and splendor. It has been given to me, and I can give it to anyone I want to. If you worship me, it will all be yours. Jesus answered, it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. The devil led him up to Jerusalem and had him stand on the highest point of the temple. If you are the son of God, he said, throw yourself down from here for it is written. He will command his angels concerning you to guard you carefully. They will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against a stone. Let's finish this together. Jesus answered, it is written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. When the devil had finished all his tempting, he left him until an opportune time. So when we look at Jesus and we, get, we say to ourselves, how do I engage? The sp- I have to understand who I am in Christ. I have to be, understand what I'm empowered to do wherever I walk. I have to believe about evil like Jesus believed. I need to be filled with power and be in communication and in partnership with the Holy Spirit. Now I need to behave. So when lies and deception and suggestion, and that's all it was, just a suggestion. Isn't it interesting how the devil tempted the Son of God? It was just, I can speak into your mind, and I'm saying to your mind, you're hungry, been out here for 40 days. Why don't you tell that stone to become bread and get yourself fed, right? Lust of the flesh, all right? And then he says, hey, you know, let me show you, let me show you the world and all its splendor and, and being in control of stuff, right? Lust of the eyes, right? Materialism, right? And then, and then he says, you know what? If you can flex your power, you should show me just how powerful you are. Why don't you just throw yourself off of there? You know, I dare you, right? Boastful pride. See where the temptations come? And to each temptation and suggestion and deception given to have Jesus compromise his relationship with God and compromise his commission, before God, he says three words. What are they? It is written. It's underlined on your notes. It is written. How are you fighting the spiritual battle? How are you fighting the lies and temptations that come into your mind? 
do you say it is written? You know, I'll be driving along the road, and I have, I'm, a, I'm, a, I'm a man. I'm filled with testosterone. I have eyes. I see things, especially during hot summer days. But I know that I love God and I love my wife more than I love looking or staring at, at women or, or, or taking uh, long looks. And so I'm tempted, just like you're tempted. And you know what I say? It is written. Right? A man will leave his father and mother and cleave to his wife, and the two become one flesh. And what God has joined together, let no man separate. See, but I have to know that. I have to have it in my heart to declare it. How about you? Do you have God's word in your heart so that when you go into battle, there's bullets in the magazine? Jesus is tempted by the devil. It's just like, shot that one down, shot that one down, shot that one down. Why? Because his heart was loaded with the word of God. So we have to behave like Jesus. We need to believe about evil like Jesus. We need to be filled with the Holy Spirit like Jesus. And we need to behave like Jesus. How did Jesus behave? He had the word of God loaded in his heart so that when the suggestion came, he could destroy it with the word of truth. Amen? So that's why we say, hear it, study it, read it, memorize it, meditate on it. Pastor JP gave a great message on Psalm 19 just this last weekend. Hear it, study it, read it, memorize it, meditate on it. Because if you are tempted by the liar, you better have a word of truth. Psalm 37, 30 and 31 says, the righteous man utters wisdom. What does the righteous man do? Utters. The law of God is in his heart and his feet do not slip. So why do we study God's word? We study God's word not just for our edification and to learn God's direction, but to fight the spiritual battle because you're walking into one right after we leave this room. It's coming at you. So we got to behave like Jesus. Let's look at Jesus right now. Let's talk about that, and then we'll get to discussion. So what did Jesus do? Jesus said no to evil to say yes to God. Write that down. Jesus said no to evil and evil suggestions that would harm his relationships with God and people to say yes to God. It's just not a, I'm putting on my blinders and I'm religious and I say no to stuff. No, you say no to say yes. Secondly, Jesus declared truth to defeat the lie. To defeat the lie and consequently to defeat the liar in a moment, you have to declare truth. And the only truth that's going to work against a supernatural being and force is a supernatural word but you have to declare it. You have to declare it in prayer. You have to declare it to him. You have to speak right directly to him. You have to declare it over a situation. Take out your kingdom key and defeat the gate of hell. That's in front of you. Third, Jesus delivered others from demonic oppression. Some of you right now are oppressed demonically. Some of you are walking around with attitudes right now that it's like in your blood and it's souring your relationship with God and with people. You need to be delivered from demonic oppression. Voices. Voices. And you're looking at a, at a mental health guy. I've seen schizophrenia. I've seen bipolar manic depression. I've seen demon possession. And encountered all of them. Guys, we're in a 
in an epic spiritual warfare where there's truth versus lies. There's the voice of truth and there's the voice of the liar. It's that powerful because your brain, it will mate with whatever comes in and it will turn into an action. And so we have to step into it and that's that's big part of the battle is just how people are thinking, how they're perceiving things. And we have to declare truth over a person and help them see themselves and the world and their relationship and their issue the way God sees it. And then we need to declare it. And we need to bind evil and loose, right? Loose freedom. Fourth, Jesus overcame all evil through simple obedience. Some of you are losing the spiritual battle. And the reason why you're losing it is because you're compartmentalized. There's a part of your life where you say, Jesus can have authority here, but he can't have authority here. Now, what am I saying? That all of us are tempted to compartmentalize certain areas of our lives that we like to control. Now, now I'm going to focus just on that certain area of your life that you want to control and keep away from Jesus' authority. You know what you are in that space? You're a functional atheist. God has everything to say about 95% of my life, but he has nothing to say to me in that 5% of my life that I'm holding on to because I want to do what I want to do. In no area do I see this and in the area of sex and porn and fantasy and dating and premarital sex. God has everything to say. Do you believe in Jesus? Yes, I do. Do you believe the Bible is important? Yes, I do. Do you believe church attendance is important? Yes, I do. But over in this area, he has nothing to say to me. Wow, really? When we look at Jesus, it's simple obedience that in the end defeats evil. You don't see him declaring scripture against the devil on the cross. You don't see Jesus um, having to Uh, live a certain lifestyle to forgive you of your sin and and win your redemption, you see a man simply obeying and defeating evil. That's why Jesus said, no one takes my life. I lay it down by my own authority. Wow. That's the ultimate evil killer if we look at Jesus. So yes, did Jesus believe in a real devil? He sure did. Was Jesus filled with the Holy Spirit? He sure did. Did Jesus behave in small spaces and confront Satan when he was tempted with the word of God and being filled with the spirit? Yes, he did. But in the end, simple obedience defeated evil and won your salvation. So what's God saying to us? Obey the Lord. No one controls you except for who you let control you. No voice controls you except for the voices that you let control you. And in the end, it's going to cost you. When you go into battle, it's going to cost you. And so this world right now, the fallen world that we live in, the field, you know what's right next to us? The, we- the weeds, okay, evil, sons of the evil one. And then right next to it is you. And the harvest is coming. And there's going to be a time of separation. But between now and then, guess what? You get to participate in this great kingdom battle. So show up to the war against your flesh and declare a word of truth to your flesh. Show up in the war in your circumstances and in your context. And when you see issues and things going on, enter that space, take out your kingdom key, and in your identity and your authority, bind and loose. Declare a word of truth over that person, over that situation. Take it to the evil one. Go ahead. Pick a fight with evil. We need to do that. 
in the power of the Holy Spirit and say no. Not today. Not today, Satan. Can we say that together? Not today, Satan. You see, even just saying that, you're just like, am I weird? Did I just say not today, Satan? Yeah, that's what a Christian says. That's what a Christian says. Because we live in the kingdom. We have a whole different set of glasses. We have night vision goggles. We see evil. We understand the war. And we're a part of it. Look at what it says here in Romans chapter 5, verse 18. It's on the whole issue of obedience. Let's, let's read this together. Consequently, just as one trespass resulted in condemnation for all people, so also one righteous act resulted in justification and life for all people. For just as through the disobedience of the one man, the many were made sinners, so also through the obedience of the one man, many will be made righteous. Two men, two gardens of temptations, two decisions, two voices. One man listens to the devil and brings death. The other man listens to God and he brings life. Who is on the other end of you engaging in spiritual battle? Who's on the other side? You see, it's not just a closed, insular choice. There's always a consequence that affects other people when you make decisions. So we'll either make decisions in Adam or we're going to make them in Christ. And that's my prayer for you today. God says you're made for more. Fight the good fight of the faith. Take hold. Get on, get on, grab it. Because that's what you're made for in Christ, to engage evil. And when we do, watch out. Watch out. Your family's going to change. Your marriage is going to change. But you have to, God has this morning strapped on your night vision goggles. Now you know. All right, let's bow our heads and pray and go to discussion. God, we so much see evil in our world, but Lord, we don't want to be a sort of believe Christian. We don't want to be a sort of believe follower. Jesus, you were so clear to believe in a real Lord and Savior. Jesus Christ means to believe in a real evil one, deceiver, liar, and murderer, the devil. And your agenda and his agenda are at war. And we have been rescued from the domain of darkness and transferred onto your team, not just to benefit from redemption, but to agent life and freedom and redemption in the power of the Spirit. And so this morning, thank you for being so clear, Jesus, with just your life. Help us to believe like you believed. Help us to be filled like you were filled with the Spirit. Help us to behave in the small spaces and issues of our lives the way you behave saying no to evil and yes to God. Lord, we know that on the other end of our choice to engage spiritual battle, there are people. On the other side of defeating the things that defeat us in temptation, there are people. And there's a world that's waiting for men of God to shine the light of Christ, but we need to know how to fight. So Jesus, thank you for showing us this morning. Thank you for talking to us clearly. Now, speak to us as we process what we just heard from you. In Christ's name we pray, amen.